0: Welcome back to another edition of the Friday Golf Podcast. I am your host Andy Johnson, and today I am joined by singer songwriter, Drew Holcomb. Uh, he is Drew Holcomb of Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. He uh, they have a Americana band, a very popular band, and uh, I think he was in the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Parade. So. Drew uh before that joined uh me to talk about golf. He is he's like as much of a golf nut as you could possibly imagine. Um very into golf courses and traveling the world. So we talk about his career in music, um his what got him into golf. I think it's uh always fun talking about these people that do uh other creative aspects of life for a living and then also play golf and and what draws them to golf. Um so it was great chatting with Drew, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And everybody had a uh, safe and and fun Thanksgiving. So, without further ado, here is Drew Holcomb. Drew, I got to ask you. I mean, you're you're one of the rare people that spends more time on the road than uh, myself. You know, you're you're a touring machine, especially this year. <laughs> And uh, what's the most memorable golf music day that you've had in your life or a few of the most memorable, like where you had a co- combination of of golf and music?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously on the road I play all the time, so there's so many there's so many good ones. At this point, I've made a lot of friends around the country, so um, whenever I get to play somewhere and, you know, have a match and beat a friend anywhere on the road, it sort of like starts the starts the day with the win, you know. Um, this last fall I got to play, uh, you know, I get to play a lot of really cool places, um, but I'd never played Minna Cotta up in, in, in Minneapolis and I went out there and had the best round of my year. And what was, that was, that was fine. It was a great golf course, great day, but I got the headline first Avenue that night, which is probably a top five, most famous rock club in the country. Prince made it famous. And so that was a pretty banner day, you know, uh, go out, shoot the round of the year, then get on stage and. You know sold out room and have a good old have a good old night so but my favorite day I've ever had was a, as a fan I when I turned 35 I took a bunch of buddies we went out to see Tom Petty at Red Rocks but the the golfing crew which was about half of the of the of the crew we went a day early and did an overnight at Bally Neal so you know had had a big night Bally Neal on the putting green played 18 holes all that um Spent the night, got up, played 18, had a good match, drove a couple hours, went to a brewery and then went to, you know, saw Tom Petty at Red Rock. And this was about six months before he died. So I don't think, you know, I don't think I'll ever beat that as far as as a fan. You know, Um, I've had some pretty, pretty great experiences playing golf and then playing shows at night. I mean, it's kind of the the uh, the uh, the secret that everybody knows (laughs) is that all of us musicians love to play golf. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we get to play a lot of great spots and meet a lot of great people. And I, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the things I, I had no idea. I mean, I wasn't even a golfer when I started playing music. So it's all been a big surprise. To
0: me. I, I gotta ask, you know, you put, you're into golf architecture, you're super into golf courses. Do you, you brought up two like historic venues. Is the feeling of before a show similar to like the feeling before you go play a great golf course at, when you play at one of those venues, like, do you, do you get up? Like, what, what's it like when you're playing music at a historical venue? And is it at all similar to the, to the feeling golfers get when they get to go those places?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think that it's a lot of, it's like what I would call just the ghosts, you know, you're, um, when you're when you're playing a, a Ryman or or a Red Rocks or a Troubadour, or, I mean, every, honestly, every town in America has these rooms. Like, we were, I was just talking to my manager about the spring tour, and we're getting to play some really historic spots. We're playing the Fillmore in San Francisco. We're playing the Nine Thirty Club in D.C., the Bowery in New York. Um, you know, the two nights at the Ryman, and and, and so on, and so forth. And those nights kind of get circled. On the on the calendar, more than just any other show, and so it's probably how like it's probably how pro golfers feel when they're going to get to play Pebble or when they're going to get to play Augusta, or you know how these amateurs are getting you know when the when the event is at Seminole or college players. Like I'm a big, I went to University of Tennessee, and they just got to play a a college invitational. I'm on their email list and all that, and at Cypress, and I'm imagining all those kids. It's not just another day. It's, you know, it's a it's a magical spot. And I feel that same way as a a golfer. I think the difference is for me, I actually get a little more nervous playing a great golf course because I don't know if I'm going to do very well. (laughs) Whereas at this point in my career with my band, I mean, every show is going to be an eight from like a professionalism standpoint. You know, I'm not going to get up there and I'm like, I don't get the shanks on stage, you know.
0: Has anybody ever gotten like the the figure of golf shanks and music? Like, what would that be? What would that even be?
1: <laughs> well, for sure, there's a couple of them. One, when you're in, let's say, Little Rock, and you say, "How you doing, Fayetteville?" Which that's happened to me. Not to be fair, I had a three month old on the road with me, and I'd slept like two hours <laughs> the night before. I have three kids, so you know they've, they've they've seen a lot of that as well. And then forgetting words, which I do all the time, I forget lyrics. Often um and then when you when your body gets tired and you can't hit notes, i mean that's pretty that's like when you when you see people cancel shows that's like the the music version of the w d you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I need to go home, I can't sing, so definitely happens
0: so your efforts you ha you, you weren't a golfer before you got into music um what got you into golf really it was
1: music I, I I kept getting invited to play all these great spots. And I, and, and I had golf clubs. I had a pair of a set of ping eye twos. I mean, I my lowest wedge was a pitching wedge, you know, and a couple of things happened one year, probably 15 years ago. In the same year I got invited to play Oakland Hills in Detroit. And I was in my pocket on 12 holes, just, making a fool of myself. And then I just thought, man, I, I can't, I've got to learn how to play this game if I'm going to keep getting invited to these great spots. And then secondly, I got invited to play in a celebrity pro-am and I was paired with, um, it was a celebrity pro pro-am. So was, uh, I was with Harris English. And I had just met him and he's looking at my clubs and he's like, you had a decent swing. Like, what, what are we doing here? You know? <laughs> and I had this, I had this lie. I'll never forget. I had a, I had a lie that was, I had to hit over a bunker to a tight pin. And all I have is a pitching wedge. (laughs) And he's like, so let me explain to you, like, this is impossible. You, you can't do this anymore. And so those were a couple of things. That was probably, I don't know, 2000, I don't know, nine or 10, eight to something like that. And then the other thing was I had, I have two really uh, close friends here in Nashville that are really good players. One kind of is around a plus two and the other's probably a two or three. And um, I just got tired of, embarrassing myself and so I just I just decided to get better. And the the road is a perfect uh job for golf because I'm not asking my wife to go play while I'm home. I'm already out here. I'm already gone. So I might as well play golf and I don't have sound check till four o'clock.
0: So yeah, you work at night. So it's like
1: uh, I work at night. So it's a perfect job for for somebody who wants to get into the game.
0: I was going to ask, what, what's your split on like golf on the road versus home percentage wise? How much more golf do you play on the road than at home?
1: It's probably on an average year. It's probably 65, 35 road versus home. So it's it's pretty it's significant. Yeah. You know, because I'm I'm hung a lot. I'm hung a lot more than I am on the road. Uh, but and and the interesting thing to me too that's been fun is golfers love music, right? So I get invited. Let's say I get invited to go play somewhere in Dallas and have a good time. And you know, I always say I get invited the first time because of music. I get invited back because I play fast. You know, so I'm like a very fast player. Even when I was bad, I mean, I was a I was a 15 handicap a decade ago when I got you know. And, and now, you know, a much better player, but uh, I get invited and just keep up and and not be slow. But then these guys would say, oh, well, I got a friend in Oklahoma City. I saw you're playing there tomorrow. Do you want to play golf there? Sure. You know, and it just kind of steamrolled. And now I, I know golfers in pretty much every town we play in.
0: I bet, I bet that's the thing it's, it's probably almost a challenge cuz you sometimes want to go see new places but you've got these friends that you go every time and they come to the show and it's like you know it's mm-hmm. an amazing probably just you know it, it makes for great days and it's always easier to play with people that you know right you go back to Totally
1: Well I think if you can if you have the option of playing with a good friend for instance let's say I've got a great friend who hosts me every time I go to Chicago out at out at you know Chicago Golf which you know for for most folks and myself included before I knew him was an un, an un, ungettable you know and so I start playing with him and and now we actually have fun and we have a good match and we're talking trash the whole time and so when somebody some stranger's like hey do you want to play this other great course in town I'm like I mean I think I'd rather just go play with my buddy you know
0: it's the hard the hard thing. That you got to have longer trips or something but or do multiple right. you got to get to the point where you're like uh Taylor Swift playing like three shows every time you're in a city, right?
1: Yes, I need to get into the residency model so that I can try out all the other <laughs> golf courses.
0: <laughs> uh, how did you get better at golf? Cuz I've played with you. You're you're a good player.
1: I got better. I mean, at first it was just um a lot of reps and and then watching good players play. And then I got to be like a, about a 10 or 11 and I joined a club here in town and was, you know, I was breaking 90 every once in a while and had, you know, streaky moments. And so I go, I, I decided to get my first lesson. And so the guy's taking some videos with his iPad and he says, OK, so what's what's the goal? What, what do you what do you want here? You know, I, said, I was probably a 12 at the time. And I said, man, I'd like to be like a, a, a single digit player. And he goes, OK, but like you want to be a nine or you want to be a two? And I was like, I mean, I'd love to be able to get down to a two or three, you know. And he goes, okay, if you want to be a nine, I got a handful of things we can start working on. And he goes, if you want to be a two, we got to start over. So did you start over? So I started over. I had one of those big, you know, inside out cuts, just, you know, just a big old cut swing. And he he made me completely get rid of that and and go to more of an outside end draw swing. And then the other thing that it really helped, I've, I've played a lot of golf with two PGA Tour guys in particular, uh, Scott Stallings and Kevin Kisner. And both of them have been very generous to basically turn every time we play into kind of a teaching round. And just little things like game management, decision-making, sand shots. I've gotten really good with the 60-degree and short game and hitting, you know, getting – I'm not just just always tweaking. And also don't take it super seriously. So I think I'm willing to try a lot of new things out on the golf course because – you know I play enough to where it's okay if you go out there and make a fool of yourself every now and then so
0: I feel like what you said the the stuff I you know a lot of times people look to PGA tour players for like technique stuff but like what you said about just ga- game management that's what they're the best in the world at is just mm-hmm. getting a ball around a golf course like it's amazing to watch a guy effectively slap it around and it's like, Oh, he shot 67 today and he didn't play great. Um, what's the, right. what is there a piece of game management advice that has stuck with you from either of them?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I used to be a pin hunter, you know? Um, and Scott's the best cause he's really sarcastic. I mean, so is kids. They're both like big trash talkers, but, um, Scott will wait till I make a mistake and then he'll say, all right, all right, all right. So t- tell me about that decision, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I thought I could, you know, I thought I could cover the right side, draw it into that tight pin. And he's like, yes, yeah, so you see, you, you don't have that shot. I mean, you you have it, but it's like one out of 10 times. And he's like, why didn't you just hit a little cut to the left, on the left side of the big side of the green? And then, and then you'd be putting for birdie right now. Instead, you short-sided yourself and you're really going to be working hard for this bogey, <laughs> you know? Um, so... I just love the the he, Scott's way of of teaching me. It was just like make let let you make a mistake, um, and then just kind of always reminding me that I'm not a professional. You know, that's <laughs> that's 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 one my favorite thing with Kisner was when COVID started. Uh, we were both bored. He you know this is when the tour was still not doing anything. is early early on, and um, I'm a part of the Sweetens Cove um ownership group and a very 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 small piece but still a part of it and so he had not played it and I said why don't we do like a little Instagram live match that. and at that point we'd probably played golf together maybe a half dozen times and it was always fun cart like you know casual cart and beer golf which is like his specialty when he's not on, not on tour so he pulls up to the par- to the parking lot and our wives are gonna film him, his wife on his Instagram, my wife on mine. And I've it's nine hole match, I'm getting five shots. Which I should have gotten six or seven. I feel like you should have
0: gotten like eight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, based on how he played. So he shows up and he's in full tour regalia. He's got his sponsor stuff on, everything. And I'm, you know, I'm like, hey man, what's uh what's up with the like all the gear, you know, all the all the logos today? And he's like, Hey man, it's showtime today. <laughs> and, and and he had like a different countenance than every time we'd played. And he goes, Eagle, birdie, 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 and I'm four down. <laughs> I was just like, and this is all on the internet. Just like, okay, well, this was not the friendly fundraising round that I thought we were going to have. So that was a public a public um evisceration that I'll never forget. What a
0: what a good sponsor, man. What a good guy for the sponsors. He's wearing his full gear even on an off yeah. day. You know, he knew what he well, was get doing. It.
1: Well, it, it was an off day, but we we were it was a fundraiser for COVID relief for like unemployed folks. And so um his sponsors had all been sort of preemptively generous, uh. you know. So it was a it was a it was a thoughtful flex.
0: How'd you get into the Sweetens Cove, uh, the, that like, what what was the decision making and like, how did that just come about?
1: Well, I was a pretty early adopter cause it's not that far from Nashville. And I remember the very early, even before it was finished, there was like a PDF floating around, you know, Nashville, the sort of Nashville golf scene is like, Hey, this is some guys building a nine holer, you know, like redoing this course. We should go check it out. It's, you know, maybe we should, You know, there there was like a membership thing at the time. There was at first it was maybe it was going to be private. Who knew what it was going to be? So I went down. This is back when you could rent the property out for like $1,200 a day. And there was literally just a, you know, you went in the early days, there's just a a, one single porta potty. (laughs) And so I went down there and it was a fundraiser for something and a bunch of guys rented it out. And I just fell in love with the golf course and started going down there. I don't know, maybe quarterly or two or three times every year and then found out that And in parallel track to that, I had gotten to know Andy Roddick through, through golf as well. We have a mutual friend um, that had introduced us and we actually played for the first time at Sweden's. And then this was like three months after, you know, a hoopie had opened and then the same group went down there and Rob Collins went with us to play a hoopie and obviously fell in love with it. But that at that, at that hang that Andy and a bunch of other guys had just bought Sweeten's Cove with Peyton Manning. And you know, it right knows the story. It's all, yeah. it's all over the, all over the internet. And they still had a couple of like investor slots. And they said, you know, we're looking for somebody that loves bourbon is from Tennessee is a musician and loves golf.
0: It's like they were targeting you.
1: I was like, well, there's like, I think there's only maybe, maybe one of those. <laughs> And that's me. So, so I, kind of jumped at the opportunity to get involved and it's been really neat to see, I mean, obviously, you know, the national press, yourself included, really put the story on the map. Um, but with some, you know, sort of better funding and, and more sort of thoughtful, um, management, the property's really just doing awesome. And I, we get people from all over the world, really all over the world that come to have a it's it's now one of those you know it's one of those pilgrimages that people can take and it's one of the pilgrimages that hasn't been you know hasn't been milked for every penny that it, you know the pebbles and sawgrasses of the world have have become so
0: yeah it's been neat i mean it's it, i think it's an amazing testament i think um rightfully so to a certain degree the internet social media and everything has is is right now you know people are like is this really good for the, for the society right um and mm-hmm. a lot of different industries have changed but in terms of independent golf course ownership um the idea of a 9 hole golf course in the middle of nowhere becoming a Literal tourist dest- destination across the world. People coming, like I mean, people. I talk to people that are like, I'm, I'm you know, from England. I went to see Sweeten's Cove. Like, it, it's just unbelievable that this nine hole golf course in the middle of nowhere that didn't have a clubhouse, didn't have like, you know, still doesn't have a clubhouse, but has a little bit more. No, I was going to say still, yeah, yeah, it's right. A little bit. <laughs> I feel like it's a clubhouse now compared to what it was. Um, but like it became this like this destination place is an amazing thing from, you know, just the, the fact of discovery that the internet creates. So for all the, there are a lot of negatives. I always fall back on things like that as like, this is the positive because this golf course probably wouldn't have existed or um continued to exist if it wasn't for, you know, the ability for people to f- discover places. And I, I imagine there's some parallels with that with music where there's stuff that you, don't love about the internet but also has been you know wonderful for your career.
1: Yeah, no that's absolutely true. I think you know b- before we started before we pushed record I was you know just sharing a little bit about how I it, it, I was a la- I was a little bit of a late bloomer. The music that I made early on t- didn't connect. Really my third or fourth record was the one that finally started connecting with like a, an actual audience of fans and that wouldn't that would not have been enough. I wouldn't have had that kind of time in, in the earlier sort of record label era, pre streaming, pre iTunes and all that. And so I I'm certainly grateful for the era that I'm in, you know, that said the market is so flooded with music, um, that it's hard to, you know, continue to sort of stand out, but you know, like, like a, like, and in, you in, in probably true in, in your world as well, there's, You know, you're not going to get everybody, but you just got to super serve the people that you've got, you know, and, and that's why the touring thing is so important for us, because it's, it's, you know, it's the way we connect with the people who really are more than just casually listening to a 20 second clip on an Instagram reel. You know, these are people who've made plans and spent money to come see a show and have a, have an experience with um, a group, a a room full of strangers. So um,
0: so honestly, one of like I, you know, I think about drawbacks to my life and, and entrepreneurship, and I I would not trade what I decided to do when I started this company for really anything. But one of the things that I greatly greatly miss is that I used to go to like you know, like a dozen concerts a year and that number has greatly, greatly shrunk. And obviously some of it's life, but a lot of it's just entrepreneurship and the time demands of it. It's like there's nothing better than going to a live live music and just that whole experience. And as you said, like I'm, you get a craft and experience for people when you're putting on a show like how are the, how are ways that you get better at crafting experience as your career goes on?
1: Yeah. I'll take a couple of things, for example, that were like I had major sort of growth spurts. Um, I think a a recent one for me has been a very simple thing. I used to always have a guitar. I mean, if I was on stage, I had a guitar. And over the last two record cycles, um, especially this one, there are multiple songs on the new record where I don't need the guitar. So I can just, you know, grab the mic and just get off the mic stand and like work the crowd, which if you had told, you know, 23 year old making his first record drew that he would ever do that. He would be like, Oh no, 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 definitely not doing that. I'm not an entertainer. I'm just a songwriter guy. And I've really embraced being an entertainer. I've embraced that part of the show. And then the one I would say before that, maybe go back 10 years. That's, you know, the development of my, of my voice. Like when I, when I started, I only understood Myself as an artist, uh, as really just as the the voice is just this sort of practical vehicle to get the song out. Cause to me, I always thought of myself first and primarily a songwriter. And then I really started, you got challenged by a couple of peers to, hey, you've got a great voice, but you haven't developed it. You haven't learned a dynamic. You know, Um, the dynamic for those, you know, who don't know a lot about music is like, I can sing two things, exact same pitch, exact same notes, and they'd be completely different. You know, Uh, like if it's like, you know, 10 dynamic would be like, I'm not going to blow your microphone off yourself, back up a little bit. But it's like, you know, you got to find your people, you know. And then like the one dynamic is like, you got to find your people. And inside of that, those two things is a world of like emotional architecture. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until 10 years, ten twelve 12 years ago. And so that's been a really fun thing for me. And, you know, it's like the early me, It's there's like a, I'll try to like the golf metaphor is like young me was like, all I want to do is hit driver, you know, watch me hit the driver. And it's like learning how to hit the irons. And now it's like, you know, learning how to, how to work the way. I don't know, It's just like you develop skills that you didn't know that you needed or that you didn't know you had. And that's been a really satisfying Sort of creative and 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 personal personally satisfying and creatively satisfying to to continue to grow and to continue to get better I think that's you know I think that's one of the things that I love about golf is that there's no per, there's no perfection in it. There is a bit like every good round feels like you just wrote another good, like a good song.
0: Do you feel that way after shows? Like there's always things you could do a little bit better. Maybe this is a pattern for you that you just go after.
1: Yes. Yes and no. But I'm also a great celebrator when it goes well. Uh Like when we have a show that just feels like a total 10 and the crowd feels like a 10 and the set landed just right and everything was good. I do not. I'm not the guy who like, all right, everybody in the green room, we're going to sit around and talk about what we could have done better, you know, (laughs) that always, I always wait till the next day. And, and I, and I'm not, I, I I love, I love working with my band because they're all pros. Like I see them as peers and equals, not as, you know, employees. And so that allows for a lot of collaboration and um, we really are like, we're a team up there.
0: Now for a quick word from our sponsor, Club Champion. Right now, Club Champion has as good of an offer as you will ever get from Club Champion. So if you use the promo code FRIDEGG, uh you can get a $100 full bag fitting or a $50 uh, fitting of any type. So like irons, wedges, with any club purchase. This is, this is very cheap and it's a short time limited holiday offer so if you book your fitting between now and uh the 4th of december and the fitting is completed by january 31st you qualify for this hundred dollar full bag fitting as a reminder club champion uh longtime uh supporter of this podcast is the premier club fair fitter Across the country in uh in the United States, they also have some international locations. But really, you get a PGA Tour level fitting uh, when you go to Club Champion. They have the launch monitors. They have all. They have I think fifty thousand uh, potential shaft clubhead combinations. So you can go there and really try out everything and see what's best for you that's the way i would approach it that's the way i've i have approached my equipment for years um i've really trusted club champions since they just started uh getting a business i I was i had to be one of their first customers They're chicago they started in chicago and i was getting fit by them way back way back when i was in high school i think this is the only way to get equipment go get fit try out all the all the different options and find the ones that are best for you. So, use the promo code friedegg, go to clubchampion.com, book a fitting and use the promo code Egg to get a $100 full bag fitting or a $50 fitting with uh, any other type of fitting with a club purchase. So that ends on December 4th. So make sure you book that now and get it done before January uh, 31st. Thanks to Club Champion. And now back to Drew Holcomb. Have you ever thought of like golf courses as, as songs? And if you have, have you ever thought that way? Could you give us some golf courses song comps? I can, I can, yeah, for
1: sure. I love this. This is great. Okay. I'm going to go up. I'm going to, I wrote down, I don't know why, but I was just, I wrote down today, um, golf courses that were new to me this
0: year. Well, I was going to ask, I was going to ask about that too. So,
1: so I'll, I'll use a couple of those as like, as and maybe less like specific songs but more i'll go with like
0: bands how about that yeah i love it i love you can take this i always think about this stuff because i some of the time like what i try and think about is a lot of times like the cadence of how the holes hit you know into different parts and i think about like courses that go to wait a lot different topography like like um different settings like one time i was thinking I don't know if you've ever played East Hampton. You probably haven't. It's a core crenshaw, but it's got like these yeah. like three different settings. And I was like, that's like band on the run because it's like three completely different songs in one different sections. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: All right. I'm gonna go with Oakland Hills and, and and Congressional are like uh Queen. All right. They're just big stadium rock opus magnus, you know. Very uh very much that way. Okay. I love that. I'm gonna go with um uh Eagle Point down in Wilmington is like um um like what's a good like uh like Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals, like a little jammy, not totally put together, really solid, a good time. You know, I think the um,
0: first band I ever saw, the first concert I ever saw, I was like it was like nineteen ninety six. This was the first concert that I went to as a kid. Like it was me and my friend, and it was Dave Matthews band and Ben Harper was opening. Yes. <laughs> it was, uh, it's just like a crazy, it's like, you know, it's just funny. It's like, uh, whenever I think of Ben Harper, I think about that. That was the, you know, I had some like marijuana that like landed on my lap and the mom of the friends that took us to the concert. I had no clue what it was. I was, I was 10. I'm looking at this, and I was like, "What is this?" It smells, and and the <laughs> the mother the mother that took us was like, "Oh my god!" Like freaked out, and I like grabbed it, and I'll never forget that.
1: Oh my gosh, that's great! <laughs> I'm trying to think of like Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews would be. Oh, oh, here, Dave Matthews is Valley Club of Montecito.
0: All right, what's what's the what's the re- rationale? Just kind well, of mellow. It's
1: just <laughs> super comfortable in its own skin. It's as good as anything out there, but it doesn't need all the. The pomp and circumstance, not super social media savvy, just comfortable. And it's like, you know, in its age, it's young enough to be fun, but doesn't isn't try isn't trying too hard as a
0: Chicagoan. I'm just going to put a disclaimer. It's it's uh, Valley Club without without the tour bus incident. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now to be fair, that wasn't Dave's <laughs> fault, but yes. The people on the boat in the Chicago River might not feel the same. Yeah, exactly. They 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 would say that their their golf course comp would be like the 16th at um the Phoenix Open. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that's the Dave Matthews one for them. Okay, Wingfoot is like Tony Bennett, you know? Yeah. Just Classy. just classic. Yeah. Um I try, I played Lido this year. I'm trying to figure out what What do you think of Lido is? Well, what... I thought it was uh, just yeah go ahead
0: outside the comps like what were some things that stuck with you from these courses that you played you've just listed off some some great new courses that you've played
1: okay so my, my favorites from this year that i played were um that i got to play on the road were valley club uh sleepy hollow which i'd never played uh Lido, um the congressional redo and then wingfoot and, and especially we had never played wingfoot and honestly, whatever for the, I'll go with those five, but Wing um, Wingfoot, I had never had this imagination that, that I'd had with all the other top 15, top 10, 15 courses. I don't know why, but seeing on TV a few times, it just didn't really. And I think I have a tendency to kind of like courses that are, have, are not like landlocked and, and I'm not as big of an in-town kind of fan, mm-hmm. like little space. And so I just never had my imagination. So I went and played it. and. I was completely intoxicated by the green complexes there. I mean, as an everyday player, if you remember there, you could, you could never, you could play there a hundred rounds and it would never feel the same based on where the pins are and the wind. And I was just very impressed. And, um, we played it from a distance that made it, that was fun enough to where we could, even if we got a little bit off the fairway, we had a chance at, you know, muscling it up and, but then you, you know, the bounce and bouncing the greens was nuts
0: well i think i think one of the underrated things about wing foot and like is like it's hard it's hard to hit fairways but like Mm -hmm. honestly like i think about rounds out there is like you know in a way if you're if you're just talking about playing golf for fun the idea of miss if you hit a bad drive there's like an excitement level of like I'm probably not going to hit the screen and then I'm going to get a chip around these amazing greens. And it's going to be so like the imagination. And I think more so with any form of golf and this could tie back to music is, is when you get the shots around the green, is when it's almost like you get to go like riff in music and, and go a little bit outside of the, the, you know, the boundaries because you can hit bump shots. You can, you can hit like a shot with a little bit more spin. Like that's where you can have a lot of fun in golf is, is around the greens is if assuming you're not like stressing and grinding for score, right. That's probably the most fun aspect of golf.
1: Okay. On that note, I'm I, I remembering something that Scott Stallings told me that has been the thing that has stuck with me the most. And it speaks, speaks to this idea of if you don't hit the green, it is more of an attitude thing. And it's a creativity thing. He told me that every missed shot around the green, you know, every, every, every shot around the green is an opportunity to make a lifetime memory. That's right. You know, it's like an opportunity to get creative. Like, Really thinking through, you know, like great example, wing foot number one, I went in the front left bunker and the pin was sort of middle, right. And it was like, okay, you can either go kind of straight at it. It was down this little gully, either kind of just kind of get it up in the air and let it roll and go straight at it. and definitely don't have a chance at going, going near the pin, but more likely to have like a three to six footer or go left and try to run it up this bowl. And you're going to get it, like get it to go past the pin, but you might run it nine, 10 feet past. But then you'll also have a better look at your line, so you know, just like that kind of stuff is really fun at that golf course because that's sort of the never-ending feast of those complexes. It's just pretty awesome.
0: It's funny. I was uh, I played uh, I played golf at San Francisco um, last week, and I had um, I had a great caddy, Xavier. And he, he, he had just finished playing college golf and we were just, you know, the couple holes before we were laughing about, like, cause I was asking, I asked him a couple times, like, what do you think I should hit? And he was just like, I'm just going to tell you to hit 60 every time the 60 degree. And I'm like, Oh, that's not how I play. I'm not a generation Z golfer like you, you know? And we had this little <laughs> back and forth and I, on, on the 16th hole there, I hit it up to like, I was like 50 yards away. And. For anybody that's played there, anybody that hasn't played there, um, the green runs away really hard. And, you know, he was like, you got to hit the 60 here. And I was like, ah, I'm going to try something different. I pulled pulled out a nine iron and just hit this little bump and run that landed, you know, 20 yards short of the green and ran up. And I mean, it ran up to two, three inches. And he was just, he just like, all he could do was laugh. He was like, I would never have seen nine iron from here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love like, that. And it's like, yeah. that's the thing that's so fun. And, and like, if I was playing in a tournament, I'm hitting a 60 degree there. But that's the fun of like, when you don't, when you're not really concerned about score, it allows you to hit more shots and it develops your game in different ways. Um, and that's really the fun of of like great architecture, in my opinion, is like, God, is this a golf course that I could just walk around, never, never hit a shot from outside of 50 yards and have like the most fun. And that's generally what encapsulates my favorite golf courses, is where there's so much interest at the Greens like Wingfoot.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I and mean, that's and and for whatever reason, the visual like PGA tour, or not PGA tour, but like the professional golf history there. Like the TV didn't do that. Didn't do that. Doesn't do that justice.
0: They just shoot stuff from too high. They almost do. They do it to Augusta in a sense, too. Like you go to Augusta Mm. and it's like everybody you talk to that goes to Augusta for the first time. They're like, whoa, I can't believe the greens and the land. And it's like, well, it's because it's shot from terrible angles. Right. It's I imagine you have the same thing happens when you're at venues. And because you see certain angles always of venues, right? Like I get excited when I go to a concert somewhere that haven't been. And I look at pictures and they're generally like the same pictures. And then you get in the place and you're like, oh, like I didn't know it was like this, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and the sound too. I mean, everybody thinks that like, oh, I was front row at so-and-so. And And you're like, it sounds like shit on the front row. (laughs) It's like all you're hearing is like snare drum and like guitar amps and you're like go kind of near the middle by the sound guy close your eyes and that's what it's supposed to sound like you know
0: that's a good tip so, yeah right go right by the yeah, sound good guy tip.
1: Get near the sound guy yeah for sure um all right so i'll go to another one here uh sleepy hollow just all of the sort of i it's one of those ones that's a little sort of okay is the is all the like internet speaking of good angles yeah. like the the internet has made that the darling you know golf course of the ages for the last five years. Um, I got to play it with Ben Hillard, who uh, is, uh, ran point on that for Gil. It also happens to be his son-in-law. I'm sure you know, Ben. Yeah, great guy. Getting great guy, decent, you know, good player. And so we got to, I got to sort of hear all about the work they did while, while playing it on a sort of crisp, um, you know, early fall, Day And so that was really, really neat. I was very blown, very blown away by that. Also, I love, it's always fun when you play well at a good, at a good spot for your first time. That doesn't usually happen for me. Like this, actually the weirdest round of the year for me is I got to play Somerset and my host and I did not know that it was the uh, like jokey superintendent's revenge day. Oh, God. And they were like tractors in front of the greens. And I was like, oh, man, definitely need to just wipe this from my mind and go back. Yeah,
0: that place could be impossible if you did it on that day. But it could be so (laughs) fun if you get it on the right day. Yeah. Did they have the pin in the back on five, that crazy green with the with the back? Okay. did they put it all the way back?
1: Yeah, they had it on the very little back of that little hill before the other hill. And then I can't remember what hole it is. Number Whichever the the blind sort of tabletop punch bowl kind of green, I think it's number three. Mm-hmm. They had the the flag in the back left corner, but the cup was in the front right.
0: <laughs> it really was. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's just it's a tough break for your first go around. <laughs> totally, totally, um,
1: was completely blown away this year by the redo of Congressional Blue by Andrew Green. I had played it, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Maybe maybe longer, eight or nine years ago, and and you know it felt like a kind of a classic, like super tough test. But I didn't remember much at all. Went back, and I mean, just a completely different golf course than than what he had when he started with. So that was really a special day to see that. Just to, to see the before and after.
0: I I mean, honestly, got. I mean, it's an amazing thing to see that type of transformation because that that one i mean they did so much work yeah it's like yeah it's it's not even the
1: same place yeah um and then you know valley club i loved because mainly one of the things i loved about it, it had this great west coast culture vibe of just everybody with push carts and a lot of you know a lot of like nice fancy courses don't do the push cart thing at least not in the south you know that's Sort of frowned on here, I guess I don't know. it's just silly um
0: that clubhouse is but, amazing too. It's just like yeah, everything's was, just yeah. old, right
1: mm hmm the eucalyptus trees and the and the and, you know the golf course is insane it's just a great, great golf course um and then lido, I found um well, the group I was with got pretty i was I was the low player and i again I was playing like a four and and so the group got really aggressive we're like well let's play the tips you know i was like okay (laughs) first round winds blowing 25 miles an hour i mean it ate everybody alive myself included you know um i mean the first first
0: time around there you have just no clue what's going on
1: no and the fairway undulation is insane it's really really cool um i think it's awesome i i I was surprised i just i didn't i I didn't do much research on it because i kind of just wanted to go in into it with a, with no preconceived ideas. I was expecting, you know, because it was a McDonald sort of template the, I was expecting more of the templates than what there were, you know, there, which was, which was cool. It was a surprise. I, I was, you know, I was expecting like, Oh, there's going to be a very classic burrito hole and there's going to be like a very classic Redan and everything was a little different, you know? So it, it's definitely one that I, if somebody says, is it, should you make a point to go? I would say, absolutely. It's a must. Um, we didn't, it was a quick trip. I didn't, we didn't play the other two, but I have played those twice before. Um, but an incredible compliment to what those the, the, you know, Michael's been doing there. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's a very unique, it's a very unique golf course.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy golf course. I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, it's insane that it just started from like just dead flat sand to that. And it's like, totally, I mean, yeah. it's so, even more amazing to think that, like a swamp on long Island got turned into that, you know, and maybe, maybe even a little bit more severe version of that. Right. I think like if anything, they, they tone, they might've toned toned down down. a a few things because of green speeds and because like they, you know, if they weren't sure on something, they, they kind of aired on a little bit softer because it's so extreme as it is. Um, What's on the uh, what's on the courses that you're dying to see list.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things there's a lot of places that I wanna see that are I mean, speaking of, of Rainer McDonald, I really would love to see mid ocean. That's like that and Camargo I a show. the last I
0: a show in Yeah, yeah, I
1: got a show in Bermuda. Anybody <laughs> anybody out there got a venue in Bermuda they want me to play? Um Yeah, that's 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 one that I've that i I'd love to see. I've never done any of the any of the Boston stuff, so I think that would be fun. I've like myopia oh, and Essex my and
0: I mean, they got, yeah, they got good new stuff too. That's the thing about Boston. There's so much variety. Sandwich, yeah. Right. There's so much variety and the landscape is just so distinct, right? Where you have those rocky and, and sandy and the beautiful vegetation. I mean, Boston's an amazing yeah. area for golf. I love Boston. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, back to your neck of the woods, I, I, the, 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 we were joking about the other courses in Chicago, but there are, I'd say of the, of the major sort of markets. That's the one that I have sort of underplayed the most just because I've got this great situation at one particular spot that I haven't really branched out. So that's that's an area that I would love to go. And then I, I went to oh, another, another one I went to, but it was actually, it was technically 22, but um, I want to go back to Landman. I was completely just bowled over by it. It's, the, it's, just, it's so bold and creative and unlike anything else in, in that I've ever played in the world. So I want to do that trip and go see like cap rock. And if I can, or um, there's, there's, that's the hard thing now. And I think you and I were talking about this too with kids. I travel a lot for a living, so I don't actually do a lot of like, Oh, I'm going to do a golf trip and plan these different spots. I am doing that next year for one trip. I'm going to Scotland with seven buddies and, and we're going to basically do just the North we've done sort of, we've done the trips where you try to get as many of the top ranked courses and this time we're just going to camp out up in the highlands and just play awesome up there but besides that i don't i really just want to play a lot more golf at home <laughs> next year <laughs> I, I i miss being around and playing you know in my own club here at golf club in tennessee i miss I only got to sweeten's twice year you got a, new, you got
0: a new course next year too right yeah
1: yeah that's right that's which is very exciting yeah and actually got the gill let me get up there and the excavator and dig out a dig out a bunker so um that was i hope really you fun. find
0: that bunker very often it would just be
1: <laughs> i do want to go up there with a bucket of balls and just like really <laughs> just dump them in the bunker and hit out of it just see what it's like uh but yeah i, th- I think there's 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 always and, and that's an interesting thing too right now with all of the destination golf with what the Kaisers are up to with the Cabot stuff, you know, citrus farms and, you know, the stuff going New Zealand. There's a never ending supply of opportunity and, and not and and not enough time or access. I mean, I I know that I speak from like a very musicians are incredibly privileged in the golf space. And I'm very self aware about that. That being said, I'm not going to give any of that privilege up, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm going to go play these places if I get, if and when I get invited, but also I, I, my kids are getting into golf and my daughter made like her first par this year. And that was probably the most exciting golf moment for me because it it sort of sparked this imagination about what my future might hold of playing golf with my kids. And I don't know, that's definitely pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, your kids are getting to the age where their they their golf potential are they showing interest?
1: Yeah, they are. They're not I wouldn't say they're like obsessed with it, but they never say no when I invite them. So that's where at least uh,
0: Seems like you know. they just want to spend time with you. See, that's the that's yeah. the back door into getting a kid that that's going to play a lot of golf, right? Um Yeah, yeah. Well, before we get you out here, I got I got a bunch of uh of quick hitting questions here for you. Yep. All right. Music on the golf course, how loud? what genre's best, and is it okay at all?
1: It's definitely okay. Um, I like just a good mixed playlist of like r and like classic r and b and um kind of new sort of alt pop weird stuff, you know um but then I'm also cool with the guys who just love to play country music all day I mean. Volume, it might, I have one rule with music on the golf course: one, spe- one, one playlist is happening at one time in the foursome. When when there's like both carts are playing music and they're not the same, I feel like I'm gonna die. It's like <laughs> it's awful. And then the other rule is: whenever I'm playing with somebody, it's just please don't play me. I can't be on the playlist, you know so those are my two music rules
0: people often ask me do you ever listen to your podcast i'm like oh god no no (laughs) No, heck no definitely not (laughs) um another question this is this is a holiday season question is christmas music actually good
1: you know some christmas music is actually fantastic
0: you're you've got a christmas album
1: yeah we did we did like 10 years ago and and I will say this about Christmas music. It is some of the most complex popular music ever made. And people are always like, you you got a Christmas album. You come play by yourself. I'm like, no, I have to have my band for that. I can't, I can't do that by myself. Not good enough, but all the like classic Sinatra, you know, Andy Williams, Nat King Cole, that stuff is awesome. There's also a pile of Christmas music trash out there. That is the largest pile of trash in the music business.
0: All right. Top three Christmas albums.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um the the I mean obviously the what's the 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 peanuts one I'm blanking. I, Charlie yeah, Brown Charlie Christmas. Brown. Yeah. Yeah, Vince Garaldi. Vince Caraldi um is number one. Um Amy Grant's second Christmas record. Okay. I'll be home for Christmas. And then um I'm gonna go with uh the the Bing Crosby one, blanking on the name, but it's the one with Maliki Leaky Maka and all that on it. It's a great it's a, his his silent Night is
0: just So good. All right. Last two questions. What holiday should have more slash better music?
1: I mean, does Thanksgiving have any music? I mean, my buddy Ben Rector has, has the one song, you know, and, you know, there's a song on my record called Gratitude. I guess you could put that in the Thanksgiving category, but
0: it seems for how big of a deal Thanksgiving is. It should have music.
1: Yeah. I mean, Fourth of July doesn't. Really have like music, but there's that this America playlist that's Mm -hmm. got like Free Fallen and you know, Melon Camp, Ain't That America, uh, like all the like classic rock songs that have the the word America in them. And then,
0: and then you got like a, a ton of country music that could fall into that. Tons of country, yes. Um, and then last question which major golf event or major needs a new theme song, uh, most? Is this a trap? No, that's not a trap. <laughs> this, this came. This came from. This came from the fried egg slack. Slack. Uh, slack group.
1: Um. I mean. I don't know. I, I. What's the Ryder Cup theme song? Is there one?
0: Oh, it's. Uh. Yeah. It's the. It's. I. I can't. I can't think of it offhand. But. It. it you know. The players got a new one recently. It's that. You know. And then the masters. I mean, the, you can't touch the masters, right? No,
1: you can't. And honestly, I, 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 I'm, you know, you grow, you just grow to love it, accustomed to it. Like I don't even know if it's good, but I just, it just is what it is. You know, it, 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 it takes, it, it, brings, it brings everybody nice peace and calm. We're about to watch the Masters. Maybe sit down and
0: the may the right answer is the PGA for this because the PGA just always is the major that needs something new, right? It does.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's true. I mean, I'm excited for you know. Speaking of just like not the question you asked, but it is really fun, I think, what the USGA is doing with basically building a new sort of a basically a new rota of classic courses. I mean, looking at the, the list of where all the US Opens are going to be, I feel like it's going to have more of that flavor that the Open Championship has of particular players really wanting to rise to the occasion at a particular golf course. And that's I think as a fan, that's that's going to be a win for everybody.
0: Yeah, I've got mixed feelings because I feel like it disincentivizes the idea of like a golf course getting better uh, if they're all booked um, or a good new golf course getting built. Like my thing is like if you some of these places like I'm not the biggest Chambers Bay or Aaron Hills fan like they I don't like I'm not riding for them necessarily. But like the idea that we can't have, you know, that they don't have any history. It's like, well. You know, they didn't really history isn't built in one one tournament, right? Sure. Like, so sure. I would like to see a little bit. I like the idea of having like, hey, these are the 10 courses that we go to. But I like having a little bit of flexibility with a few spots here and there. And who knows? Maybe it'll evolve. Maybe things will change. And I think one of the other things is like what's going to happen with the golf ball is going to be interesting because, you know, some of the yeah, is, sure. some of the way these courses are played are is going to change you know so my only counterpoint
1: to that is i grew up one of the reasons i didn't love golf growing up and why i gave it up for most of high school and college was because of that obsession with difficulty in our youth um where everybody that was building a golf course was like oh yeah we're going to we're going to have the US open one day you know we're going to make it so hard that we're going to get the US open and it just made for golf that was really not fun and, and architecture has just sort of thrown that idea out the window. And now everything that's being built is being built just like for the large majority of golfers. And so, I don't know, I, 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 feel like it's, you know, as a, as a fan watching, watching Dustin Johnson finally sort of put all the naysayers to bed by just slam dunking the, the, the field at Oakmont.
0: Those last two shots. And, just unbelievable. etched in my brain
1: yeah we'll never anybody who's paying attention to golf that that's like a lifetime memory of And it no longer was he just a guy who wins all the random tour events he's actually like you know a hall of fame player so hmm. we could i love arguing with you any let's do it some other yeah? let's do it some more hey you know?
0: well uh <laughs> when you're out in san francisco if i'm here for the show we'll we'll do it again you know maybe we'll do Absolutely, some golf in between sure. but uh, everybody uh this is a great time of year to listen to your music, you know, you've well, you. You got a good. That's what Brendan said in our Slack is, you know, uh, your music came up on one of his playlists. And he was like, this is a good time of year for, for Drew Holcomb. Um, if you if you're you know, if you like it, go to a show, go to uh, a yeah. Drew Holcomb show. And uh, yeah, people can find you on social media. You do a lot of fun stuff on social media, too. I, I always appreciate when you do the uh, the the live sessions.
1: Yeah, we do a lot. We do all sorts of stuff, and I, I, I need more golf degenerates following me on social media so that my golf content gets more that's attention right. than my than some of my other stuff. So come on, come on and join the party.
0: Maybe if I get <laughs> some more music people, I'll be able to say I have to go to a con- I have to go to more concerts. These this that's right, that's right. For <laughs> Waiting for me to you know tell them about new music that I've been listening to. So absolutely. All right, Drew. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to see you. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Friday golf podcast. And a uh, big thanks to Matt ruches for editing and producing this episode. Uh, as a quick reminder, sign up for club TFE. Uh, that is our membership platform. Um, you can go to the slash membership, find out all the details. It's $120 for the year. It makes a great holiday gift, um, for any golf lover. And just wanted to call out, uh, It'll be up today, our member video on Pinehurst Number Ten. So it's Angela Moser, the lead um, associate on Pinehurst Number Ten, talking through Pinehurst Number Ten with some great visuals shot by Cameron Hurtis, edited by Cameron Hurtis. Uh That's just one of the many perks of joining Club TFE: is a monthly member video, as well as you know a couple articles a week, uh, including golf uh, golf course reviews and ratings, and then Design Notebook. Um, so thank you guys to great first year of club TFE and, uh, and join if you haven't yet, we'll be back later this week with another edition of the Friday golf podcast. And, uh, thank you guys for listening.